Welcome to the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grantech. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grantech, where we give our audience a look into the world of manufacturing with a focus on the modern technology trends that we commonly call Industry 4.0. Our guests come and share their thoughts on the subject, their experiences around what works and what doesn't, and share some tips that help lead you to a successful digital transformation. My name is Sam Russum. I am the Senior Director of Smart Manufacturing Solutions at Grantech, and today I am joined by my colleague, Huck Bales. Huck is the Director of MES and Digital Solutions Engineering at Grantech. He has over 30 successful years of providing systems development, project management, and consulting services for manufacturers. He's managed large projects with scope, schedule, and budget responsibilities, has a very solid understanding of business and technical issues, and a very natural ability to communicate with clients, managers, peers, and staff around these complex topics. Uh, Huck spent a lot of time working with clients to define their functional requirements and drive better production using improved technology. Huck, really great to have you here. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here. Awesome. Looking forward to a great conversation with you. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on again. Like Huck and I get to, to hang out and talk about this stuff all the time. The, the only thing that's yeah. weird is that we don't have beer this time. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll submit to, to marketing. Maybe Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, cool. So, hey, well, uh, let's go ahead and get started um, with kind of the big elephant in the room style question. Tell me, what does Industry 4.0 mean to Mr. Huck Bales? Um, oh, I think there's three three important pieces to it. Um, the first one is people, um, and I, and I think this is this is really the crux of it. Three Industry 3.0 was was about automation, right? We're actually taking the people out of the, the equation, uh, doing you know, automating and with PLC code and and sensors and and that sort of thing, and um, and for me, 4.0 is about bringing the people back into the equation. Is using those automated systems and all that PLC uh, equipment that we put in to get the information out and add context to it and put it in a presentable way that people can act on it um, as as production is happening in you know in in near real time so that's that's to me that's a, that's the first and most important part this the second piece is context i mentioned that in the first part the the um, ability now to add context to the data so if i can tell you that not just that the amps on the motor are 28 but that i can tell you that the motor is actually producing uh the the process order xyz and the product uh i can use i can now use that information to to do more interesting things and discern something from it mm-hmm. so people context and the last one is technology, right? Of course, um, there is so much technology that uh, is available now that uh, enables all those those first two things to, to happen. Yeah, and and I actually and th- this does make sense. I feel like you hit those major points that I hear. I feel like a lot of people talk about with Industry 4.0, but in the opposite order of what most people say, right? Most people kind of start with all the technology trends and then say it's doing cool things like adding context and and yeah, yeah. maybe some people will use it at some points. But but your point around like that this might actually 
increase staff or, or change the staff that you might have to actually be interpreting and working with this data, I think is a good point. And it's honestly a good uh, a, a core tenant to the way that I've seen you work with uh, manufacturers. You talk about this stuff. It's, well, what are the people going to do? Like, how are they going to go and access this, uh, access this system or put in this information or use all of this? And it's a, it's a seems simple when you say it, but it's a people, it's a thing that people miss all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it's, that's really true. And, and the, whatever you do isn't going to be successful without the people, right? I mean, we, we can build this amazing MES solution, but if the people, the, the people on the line, the production supervisors, the, the managers aren't ready for that technology, it's not going to do any good, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to help. Well, well, Huck, but but me and my plant, we've been told uh, to be cutting opex for for decades now, right? Because and and people is is one of the most important and most expensive parts, kind of of that that opex equation. So, if I'm maybe even adding people as a part of this effort, where am I as a manufacturer getting my ROI from these projects if it's not from from scaling down that opex? So, first of all, go read the goal. <laughs> uh, and you can learn about the perils of cost accounting, but in manufacturing. But um, but seriously, I, I, I'm we're not we're not adding people. Uh, we're we're what we're doing is we're enabling we're enabling the people that are there to do a better job of ensuring that the manufacturing that needs to get done is is done correctly the first time that we're reducing scrap that we're not putting the wrong labels on mm-hmm. um that sort of thing um it the the label thing comes to my mind the um the label verification thing that we've been doing for a while now for our customers is industry 4.0 right yeah. we are taking the context of we know what product should be be made on the line where there's a camera there that says yep that one passes right that's that's to me. That's that's industry 4.0. In that case, uh, your you know it's a really simple example where you can now inform a you know a an operator or a production supervisor immediately. Hey, this label isn't the one that you think you're you're you know you're running right now. It says grapefruit juice, and and the production order is for orange juice. What's going on here? Um, so you know, obviously, you're gonna. Um, have great benefits from that right away. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and also again, like kind of continuing continuing with that labeling example, right? You know, uh, I, I completely agree with you. These um, computer vision label verification systems are a good part, uh, a good example of industry four zero. And and how do you solve that problem without these technologies? You have a, a person sitting on the line watching this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. issue with that is not necessarily what you need to pay for that person to do it. It's the fact that that's all that person can do. And if that person's job is to just watch labels on a manufacturing line all day, they're not going to be as reliable as a camera. They're going to take a nap or take a break or, or miss something. Or it, it, it's, a, it's a tough job, right? We're trying to take some yeah. of that tedious stuff out and, and use intelligent systems to solve for those instead. Exactly. Using, using the automation for what it's good for and using the people for the doing the things that they're better at, right? You're exactly right. Um, The other example that comes to my mind is in the 3.0 versus 4.0, you know, environments is um, 
is the automation of, let's say, a, a filling machine, right? 3.0 automated that machine. That machine can fill um, bottles of, of that orange juice or, or maybe a beer, like you suggested earlier, much faster and much more reliable than a person can, right? That's obvious, and we've been doing that for a long time. But with 4.0, I can grab, let's just like make an assumption that we have a, an automated, uh, we have an automated filler, we have um, um, a SCADA system, let's, let's say ignition, we, we know that's a, that's a pretty valid assumption today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a database, right? And we, uh, we have Power BI, we already have all those things. And, and the Power BI thing is also, you know, most of our customers today have that, right? They have Office 365, Power BI is, is baked in, right? So for me, a very simple idea of 4.0 is in, in taking that context and people aspect, we add a, in our SCADA system, we add a, um, a little bit of code that once, uh, let's say every 10 minutes, we grab the count from the filler mm-hmm. and we put that data into a new table that we just built. And in that table, we put the count and we put the production order and we put the product. Okay. That's it. We're done. And that's mm-hmm. something that we can, we can have that built by this, by this afternoon. Then we, uh, we point power BI at that table and now we we make a, a dashboard that shows the production supervisor how many how many bottles got filled in on during this shift by let's say you know we 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 make a little uh, a, a little bar chart for every ten minutes in the in the hour so mm-hmm. whatever it is it doesn't have to be high res the point is he now has a real time trend of how he's doing for his shift for the day he didn't have to buy any expensive MES software. Uh, he didn't have he didn't have to do make much investment at all, and yeah. and so I think we can scale it down to that small of a thing. Yeah, no, th- I think that's a really good point and a good example. And and then I would kind of ask: so, as, as you had mentioned, a lot of the systems that you're talking about are leveraging technologies that a plant might already have today. It's not some big new implementation. It's using your your existing SCADA system, your existing database, your existing Power BI or or, or Microsoft subscriptions. So. So what industries can you think of that might have a lot of these component parts, but don't maybe aren't realizing or seizing those opportunities to, to tie all these pieces of information together? So I, all of them. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so someone maybe that like we don't work with as much kind of at Grand Tech, like kind of one of those yeah. people that you wish were hearing this message that don't get to hear it enough, you know? Yeah, well, so, I, and, and, and I was serious when I said all of them, because when I look at our customers, uh, of course, you know, a lot of our customers are implementing MES with us and, and that's, you know, where I spend most of my time. Right. Um, but I, I look at all of the work that we do um, that's not MES and, and there's a lot of big companies who aren't taking advantage of some of this stuff and, um, and it, that are, you know, paying us to do big automation projects for them still today. And, why wouldn't we add that on? So that's, that's my first part of the answer. The second part is, I think that the the small to mid-sized manufacturers um, that sometimes we engage with, but not as much, mm-hmm. um, 
I think that that's where there's a there's a big upside to tell. I think there's that that they can uh, take advantage of of some of the like we just the example we just talked of. They they can build some some simple tables and and point Power BI at it and have some dashboards. Um, you know, and then you can grow up from there, right? And maybe at some point you realize that you're getting good data, but you're not getting the resolution you need, or you really want to know more about downtime. Then you can, you, then you have information that a story to tell to your management team that, hey, th- look what we just did with a little more investment. We can add an OEE module and and actually get better understanding of the the details of what's going on on the floor. Yeah, and 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 I I totally agree with you, and I actually do think that that separation between larger manufacturers and then more small to medium manufacturing businesses is an important one because like when I think of those big manufacturers that we work with, their biggest challenge is usually around like standardization and consistency across plants, right? They've acquired these assets over and over again, changed hands many times. Yep. The issue that you have with your industry 4.0 data systems is the complete unpredictable variety of systems that, that needs to interact with, right? Whereas and 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 good and good on them to kind of focus on those problems, right? They're not going to be able to have something that lasts unless they can really apply and support it at scale. Whereas for more of those small to medium businesses, it might be more of a how do I take those systems that I do have today, maybe augment them a little bit, but like kind of it's more how, how can I kind of squeeze more juice out of what I already have? Exactly. Yep. Great. Yeah. So, so Huck, you and I have worked together at Grant Tech for a while, but of course you've had a storied career before this, lots of stuff that I maybe haven't heard about that's more fun. So tell me kind of one of those more fun, surprising stories kind of from your past around kind of applying all this technology to, to customers and kind of some, some of the ex- other experiences that you uh, have had that I haven't gotten to hear about yet. Yeah, I, don't, I think maybe I haven't told you this story. Um, I helped a large-ish fast food menu manufacturer company okay. uh build an automated kitchen okay this does sound a little familiar but let, let's keep going i yes, want to hear more yes yeah. yeah so um we worked with the uh the oems that were building that that supplied equipment to um making french fries and hamburgers and those sorts of products uh to add some automation and some information processing and the idea was to bring information right from the uh right right from the order Mm -hmm. to to the machine so that those french fries were as uh as fresh as they could be when they when when they got handed to you uh, at the drive-thru um, so it was it was totally one of those things that was completely surprising, uh, and and we implemented a bunch of uh, 4.0 technologies in there. We um, we were using MQTT to communicate through to some of the external systems back and forth. Um, we used Node-RED to do some of the uh, do some of the logic processing. Um, there was some AI in there that was predicting, uh, lo- looking at the weather to predict. Uh, you know, is today going to be a heavier day or yeah. or a lighter day? So should we make some more French fries or not? Interesting. That, that, it, well, and that does really make a lot of sense. I mean, the idea of a fast food restaurant and a factory 
is really not that different, right? You get your raw materials in, you have your mm-hmm. orders come in, you have equipment, you have people to make those orders, yep. you fulfill them. So yeah, yep. like it, it is interesting to think about a restaurant as a small scale factory <laughs> and, uh, yep. and yeah, and how'd that go? Uh, well, uh, it went pretty well. Um, the, the, the other thing I wanted to mention about it is that their goal wasn't actually reducing people. Okay. It was improving consistency and uh, and uh, improving throughput, so they they were they were going to go faster for sure, uh, and and then uh, as I said, that quality thing about making sure that those that they don't make too many fries, right? So they're yeah. going to they're going to reduce the number of of wasted French fries, and they're going to uh, uh, make sure that they're as fresh as possible when you show up. So um, there were challenges, though. It, it turns out that if you want to uh, automatically feed a hamburger bun onto a conveyor, uh, the the mechanics of that are really complicated. I could the I humidity, could see that. the freshness of that bun, the humidity in the room, all those things impact uh, the way the the manufacturing uh, manufacturing gets yeah. done. So pro- yeah. programming machines that have to work in the real world. It's a little bit different than kind of all that mm-hmm. web design programming. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes and it speaks to the point of, you know, what, you know, where, how far do you go with automation and and what is the right point for the people to take over? And Absolutely. so I think that, that was actually another interesting part of that project. Yeah, that's cool. So maybe the most important question that I asked this entire season, did you call that a robot restaurant? I didn't. <laughs> no, that's a good question. No. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I'll have to talk to Jeff about if I'm able to, to trademark or copyright a phrase just because I said it on a podcast. Okay, I think so. Uh, <laughs> um, cool. So switching gears a little bit. Um, tell me again, like uh, we're, we're you and I are both kind of staying in, in loop with all kind of the trends that are going on and trying to see kind of what we really think is going to take and what's not in manufacturing. Tell me what's one of those things that you see really making a big impact over the next five years that, that isn't really um, commonplace yet today? Um, I think that, uh, I think that there's a couple of changes that we're going to see in the next five years. Um, one is the, the current, the current practice that we have a full blown MES system that we build that is on prem. Um, I think I think we're going to see that change, uh, and, and we're already seeing some of that. Um, uh, I think that the you know ISA ninety five is great, and we use it all the time to help our customers define requirements, and 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 we use technologies that conform to those to the uh, to that standard. Um, but I went back and looked in preparation for this, and that started in two thousand and one was when oh, yeah. it was uh, ISA ninety five got started, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's hierarchical. And and the technologies we have today are breaking down the requirement, or the, or even the the, the necessity, I'll say, or even the desire to have that hierarchy. So, I think some of that's going to break down, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that so some of what we currently do in OEE is going to get replaced by those uh, data tables that we talked about, or and data lakes in in Azure AWS, and more sophisticated. Uh, dashboards and analysis UI that's happening up there in the, the standard IT space, mm-hmm. right? Some of that's going to go up. Our our customers still need 
uh, on-prem functionality that is mission critical, right? You're not yeah. going to you're not going to um, put your PID loop in the cloud, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, and and you're not going to put your recipe management probably in the in the cloud. But so, what I see is I see I see that our our traditional MES thing breaking apart a bit, and uh, and the that mission critical piece I think becomes a lot more modular. Mm-hmm. And I think a thing like uh, Node Red is is a great the combination of Node Red and containers mm-hmm. allows me to deploy from my uh, from my cloud vendor of choice uh, as many uh, Node Red instances as I need to for a given process that are that's managed that sits in front sits right in front of that PLC. Let's say maybe. Uh, may, maybe there's a, a an edge device that runs these containers, and the the they're managing the PLC and providing context back up to the cloud of what's got done, as well as to the UIs for people on the on the ground, so that the the, the production supervisor is looking at the whole thing on his phone, yep. on their phone, or uh, or even the operator, right? Are they're using their phone to um, they're going to get an alert that the you know that that the production count is is down and they need to go look at something or change the label, whatever. Yeah, that's that's funny you mentioned that. Actually, I recently got interviewed for for a different podcast. Actually, <laughs> Automation World interviewed me, and this is a question that came up, and I had a very kind of similar answer around like at more like IOT applications, right? And again, mm-hmm. IOT is a, a, its own little buzzword and things like that. But I, I do think that is kind of the, a good application of these smaller IOT apps performing functions that would typically be more of in the MES, d- done by MES software and are solving problems yep. in the manufacturing yep. operations management space, mm-hmm. whether that be MES or not. So yeah, yep. totally. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where, and I'm excited. That's going to be fun. Um, yeah. And and I think it's I th- I think that you know we'll define patterns like that thing I talked about is pretty vague, but there'll be specific patterns of of managing a production order for mm-hmm. a machine, right? And that's that's gonna that's gonna drop in as a thing that gets that has standard inputs and outputs, and um, you know, within the Node Red or whatever the technology is. Um, yeah, you could do that. You could do a similar thing even with your current ignition installation if you wanted. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's crazy to think too, that like, you know, in a, in a more software oriented world today where there might be a dozen, you know, recipe management pieces of software that might solve your problem. What happens in the future if there's 500 recipe apps out there, all of high mm-hmm. quality, and you can might maybe even get something even closer out of the box that's going to fit your process than, than having mm-hmm. to take one of the, the dozen things available and adapt it. Right. So yeah, yeah, more more selection, more competition, more ideas of ways that you can find an app that's going to solve your needs. So yeah. yeah. Um, so, hey, uh, as we start to, to close up here, uh, I do take a question that was asked by a previous guest and kind of bring it in for for this session. So mm. a previous guest had asked me, and this is I think this is a good one for you, because it's all about like talent and manufacturing, too, and that people side of things. So if there's all this focus on kind of like attracting new talent in manufacturing, we have a lot of existing talent that is also um, retiring. Right. So like kind of these people that have been working on these lines for a really long time either not ready to retire or kind of need to get repurposed or things like that. So I think it kind of goes both ways. If, if you're somebody who is kind of doing 
a line expert job that's being kind of where technology is coming in and replacing some of those functions. How do you continue to provide value? Um, and then also if you're kind of new talent coming in and there is kind of this, a lot of history at that plant of how to run certain equipment or processes, what are the best tips that we have to, to upskill that talent to take on some of those tasks? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question and a fair one since I started off with people, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I do think it's the big challenge. Uh, and that labor thing is going to continue to, to be the limiting factor, right? Yeah. Uh, I just had a call with, uh, um, with one of our customers who uh, was one of the f- problems they're facing is that the operator is not closing the work order at the end of the shift, right? Cause guess what? They're going home. Yep. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we just had a really good conversation back and forth and it's like, well, it seems like, you know, you trust those operators to, you know, make food that is uh, that's safe. Right. And, you should be able to trust them to close the work order. And the reality is they are, you know, they struggle to get to, to, to make, have uh, staff that are, that are consistent. They're, 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 there's turnover. And yeah. so asking them to do one more thing in that particular environment, just, it just wasn't realistic. It sure. just, it just wasn't going to happen or, or expecting them to do it. So um, um, I, I think that that, that's going to continue to be the challenge on both sides um, is as far as um, so the, the app that's going to inform that person needs to be really clear and really simple and, and provide that context uh, so that they, so that they uh, you know, that they have uh, known responses of things to do is, is the one thing, but, um, but also like the the new people coming in, once you train them up, and if you can keep them, they're used to dealing with the technology, right? They grew up with the phone, so yeah. um, so leveraging that I think is important. Um, and and then for you know for that older that older generation, I think if you are lucky enough to still have them around, it's making sure that you um, you're leveraging uh, leveraging what they know, mm-hmm. right? And and providing them with the context that they can use to act on the things they already know. Right. Yeah. Well, and also just to think about, and, and this is a kind of a fresh idea. So, so catch me on it if I'm, if I'm off base, but like, you know, 30 years ago, we start to introduce these SCADA systems and HMIs. There's a bunch of training for the operators that are using that because, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've had a computer touchscreen in my plant. Like everybody's got to understand this, right? I feel like there's some expectation that like, oh, well, when I hire somebody new today, they know how a computer works. They know how a touchscreen works. Of course, they have some idea of this technology mm-hmm. and how to use it, but only if it's really designed that way, right? If that was a system that was designed 30 years ago and you have yeah. some 20-something coming in to work on it today, things are very go, – go back and look at an old Windows 95 application and tell me if you think that your your kid could go and figure that out, right? It's, they're they're <laughs> going to be annoyed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah. Let's update that system. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just – and how important UX is and how much UX expectations mm. have changed over time. For sure. Really interesting thing mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, pay, pay it forward a little bit, Huck. What's a question that you want me to, to try to stump our next guest with? Um. 
My question is, how would you reduce the friction for the system integrators of the world, the end users who are trying to grab these new technologies and make them useful in their plans? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's... um. I could use an answer to that. Good one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I think that's a good question. And, uh, and you know, one we need to keep working towards. And there's a corollary question, yeah. if I can ask too. Sure. Uh, the other one is, how do we as a community, and I'm talking about uh, all the people who are building technology solutions, whether that's uh, end users, our customers, SIs, how do we work together to build those standard design patterns, uh, ways of doing things to help, to help us, to help all of us, right. To work, to not reinvent, to not have to reinvent the wheel. How do we take these, uh, off the shelf technologies like node red mentioned a couple of times, how do we build some, some templates or, or standard ways of deploying those things that make sense, um, so that we can all benefit from it. Yeah, no, for for sure. I and that is, I think, especially again, like kind of if we're following through the threads of some of the things we're talking about of like more commercial technologies or things we're used to today as they kind of come into manufacturing more, it it is more open source code. It is more sharing. It is more kind of community engagement. That is really what kind of has driven a lot of the the web 3.0 and and the app movements. And usually mm -hmm. manufacturing lags behind that a little bit, but but follows, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, um, when I think about some of our customers, they, you know, they're investing a lot of money to build these solutions. Right. Uh, and, and, but the thing that they're, the thing that they've built and the things that they're doing, let's, let's say it's a standard way of defining the, the data sets that come are coming out of PLCs. Mm -hmm. That's, that is not uh, that's going to help them build a, a better foundation uh, uh, across their enterprise. But it's but I don't but I don't think it's um, I don't think it's IP that is yeah. is is something that that uh, that they that they need to that that helps them to hang on to and not share. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And in fact, if they share it and and that you know, their way of doing things becomes standard use, then that helps them because more suppliers are going to understand that thing. Um, so I think there's a story for us and for our customers to open up a bit and, and, and um, be better at uh, defining those patterns and, and making a, a more efficient way to, to develop this stuff. No, that, that was great. I, I really agree with you, Huck. And I really kind of like that idea of kind of being open and sharing more in the way that kind of, again, that we can all kind of help each, help, each other out from manufacturers and integrators and technology providers. I mean, that is kind of how uh, the tide rises. So I think it's a great, uh, great point and probably a good one to end on. So um, again, Huck, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, I hope that all of our, our audience uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, I thought that was really good perspective. Um, yeah, really appreciate you being on the show, Huck. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And next time let's, let's do this again. And next time let's, let's have a beer.
We'll have a beverage. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that might be one of the uh, ex- explicit re- episodes that we need to kind of put that tag on. We'll see. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, a quick reminder that we would love to hear from you. Please do follow Grantech on LinkedIn to stay up to date with what we're doing. Subscribe to the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grantech wherever you happen to get your podcasts. You can email any questions or feedback to info at grantech.com and join us next time on the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grantech. Thanks again, Huck. We'll see you next time. Cheers. 